0: Good afternoon, everybody It's Christian Thwaites at Brian Janikowski and it's uh, it's me and um, Caroline O'Neill hosting the website, the web webinar today. I hope everyone can see the screen. Um, we'll go through a couple of slides here uh, and sort of give you an update on on the markets, trying to answer the question, is the market too expensive? That's on everyone's minds, has been for about the last three or four months. The short answer is no, uh, but we'll go into a little bit more detail in a minute. There will come a time when uh, I'm not talking to you uh, at an all-time market high, which has been pretty much every month now since, um, since uh, last uh, April, May, where after the uh, pretty calamitous correction we saw in, in, uh, in April, May, we had a very swift bounce back for all the reasons we've gone over. Um, and, but, uh, and we've had a very strong start to the year as I sort of sit here today looking at uh, just the year to date numbers, so barely six weeks in. We're at year to date, uh, small caps up uh, 16%, um, You know, mid caps up about uh, 8% You know, and the S&P is up about 4.5%. Obviously over the last uh, 12 months, nine months it's been even higher than that. But let's just jump in. There'll be a chance for questions. I think there should be a, a, a chat box up there where you can enter the questions along the way or keep until the end, um, look forward to answering them. Okay, let's just kind of review where we are. Um, after December was a little worrying uh, in the in the fourth quarter, just because we had that third wave come through, really hitting uh, after September, October, and into November, and then some close downs in December, if you remember, including uh, California. Uh, but things have started to come back a little bit. The economy, needless to say, is way below its capacity. Um, I talked about this in the blog, but roughly nominal GDP is twenty one was about 21 just under 22 trillion last February uh, and now it's in the high 20s so We've lost about uh, you know, seven eight hundred billion dollars in output in real GDP terms It's uh, it, it's, a, it's a lower number because that obviously um, is it, uh, adjusted for inflation. but you know most I think we've lost about five of, percent of GDP which at the pre, COVID growth rates would take us at least a couple of years to make back up again. So think of this as you know, a V-shaped recovery, um, but with the V taking uh, rather a lot of space up at the bottom. Um, we had seen a manufacturing rebound pretty quickly. Uh, part of that was trade related. Some of that was um, just because the manufacturing industry, uh, although it's only 20% of the economy, actually a little bit less, uh, you know, is easier to get a handle on, um, easier to have numbers on than service industry. But we did see quite a good, quite a good snapback after the um, after the um, big uh, co- corrections over the summer. Now services are starting to come back up, and there's uh, well, are you, this is a theme which I'll touch on a couple of times. Today. There's huge pent up demand for services, whether it's the leisure and entertainment industries or, or uh, you know, airlines or any other parts of the service economy. There's a there's a huge amount of pent up demand because this has been the Part of the market, part of the economy, which has been closed or, or certainly operating way below capacity during the uh, during the COVID period. Um, that's going out. Uh, but everything really depends on the vaccine rates. The vaccine rates are rising. Um, I'll show a number in a minute, which just shows that it's seems to be back on trend. I think the Fed, and this is important, will continue to ignore inflation for now. Um, they've made it very clear that they've got new measures in place for inflation. The, the roughly, you know, four point one percent unemployment, two percent inflation, which they've which they have categorically explained many, many times, doesn't mean that it hits two percent once and they start to tighten. It's got to be two percent over a prolonged period. Obviously, they don't exactly tell you what that prolonged period is, but I think it's longer than six months, probably less than three years, somewhere between those two numbers, depending on a lot of other things going on as well. The Fed is very pragmatic these days, I think, with Powell and, you know, the people that, that are there, um, they, uh, they, they don't, they're not going to rush to doing anything, uh, anything uh, quickly. And a lot of them remember the taper tantrum of 2013, where there was the hint that the tapering, i.e. the reduction of the purchases of treasuries and mortgages would be, would be quite dramatic, uh, you know, set the market into a, a spin. So they don't really want to miscommunicate any of that stuff. On the congressional side, you know, with the 1.9 stimulus, the chances are it's going to be less uh, than that 1.9. You know, the latest news looks like it's coming in by reconciliation rather than by the <clears throat> two-thirds budget um, um, changes. Uh, not terribly surprising, but I think uh, whatever the stimulus is, it will it will help a lot. Uh, and you know, these direct payments to people. Uh, you know sure maybe some of them don't end up in the right places but they're a lot quicker than fiscal stimulus now ideally you want both where you've got a little bit more government spending to uh, you know on the you know evergreen subject of things like uh, infrastructure um, but you know for now I think uh, you know having people's uh, um, unemployment benefits extended um, some sort of Loan forgiveness to small companies, state and local um, aid will help a lot because you know state governments have had to reduce employment quite a bit and they'll have to do it even more if uh, if they don't get some aid. Um, but you know those things plus the actual stimulus checks do do help uh, and it'll help quite a bit. I think the economic stats will continue to all be better uh, at this this year. Um, we've had a little bit of a setback with the non-farm payrolls, but other things are, <clears throat> are certainly pointing to a better uh, a, a better progression. I think by Q2 we should be firing on all cylinders, providing, of course, number number first point the vaccine rates uh, continue to continue to be implemented. Um, <clears throat> very important. You know, I talk about this uh, huge pent up demand. Uh, there is a, there is a lot of it, um, and savings are incredibly high. And I'll show another uh, graph on that. You know, a lot of people have been who have remained in work haven't had a chance to spend as much as they would like and just think of your own personal circumstances you know what trips have you not taken what you know airlines have you not um bought tickets for what, what restaurants have you not gone to what you know all other things um you know have you postponed there's only so much that you know amazon prime and and upgrading your hardware can uh, can replace those types of to those types of business activities, given that the U.S. is about a 75% service economy. So savings are very high. Uh, I think they'll rebound very quickly. Um, the risk assets, as I've said at the opening, are on a good run. They are supported by earnings. Uh, we've had a pretty good earnings season. It's not quite over yet, but so far the numbers have been uh, better than expected. I think you know we're seeing about an 8% growth in earnings quarter over quarter. That's higher than most people thought. And um, there's always a high number of companies that beat their estimates, just because of the way the Wall Street game is played. Uh, but it's even higher this uh, this, this quarter with about um, with about 85%. So those are definitely pretty good. And we saw some very good numbers last week or two from the big, from the big tech guys. And it's also filtering down to other, uh, to other industries and smaller companies. Um, just, there we go. Sorry, sped too much um the uh the cases are falling sharply, uh which is great is the 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 top line borrowed this from Pantheon economics whose service that we use but then there's the number of confirmed cases on a seven day average you know coming down by quite a bit you know so we were two hundred and forty thousand a couple of weeks ago so been into early January that was obviously a bit worrying and now we're you know uh, we're about half that so that's uh, definitely uh, moving in the right direction uh, this next one um, there's the ramp up in the vaccine rates from you know early january um, that dip there in the uh, sort of last couple of weeks is uh, mostly weather related because they've been hammered on the east coast with a lot of um, uh, storms winter storms and that really does affect people's ability to get out of the house make an appointment especially if some of these uh, appointments are you know in football stadiums and places places which are difficult to get to um so um expect those to to start increasing and uh and then we've got on the right hand side the number of percentage of people who've had at least one shot expect that number to get to the you know, critical 20 30 percent within a couple of months this is where we were uh, a month ago. So when we met a, lot, a month ago, I was pointing to these rather depressing numbers with the US in the full, this is January the 12th here. Um, and uh, you know, the, the, in, in the full blast of, of the third wave um, and there were upticks in Europe uh, uh, and Italy, France and Germany. Now look where we are. Really much better. We've, we've rolled over completely. So the seven, this is a seven day rolling average Per hundred thousand, so it measures it's all population adjusted here. But you know, it was seventy of the United States, and now it's uh, now it's about thirty-five. Um, similar decline. Uh, not quite, they weren't as high to begin with. But European Union was about thirty-five, and now down to about twenty-five. So these are definitely moving in the right uh, in the in the right direction. And in even some of these uh, states, this is where we were. You know, a month ago, um, all these states were seeing upticks from. Uh, again, the kind of the third wave taking taking effect and coming out of the uh, holiday uh, vacation, holiday period. Uh, and now that we are, you know, things have uh, come down and some state like Wisconsin, which is just really suffering badly in November, uh, you know, is now probably, uh, well, it's from about 120 down to 20. So that's a massive improvement. And all this is, as you'd expect, social distancing happening, close downs happening, some more rigorous than others. Um, the, uh, the the vaccination rate has uh, has certainly helped, um, yeah, and so there's just kind of less uh, virility to the to the um, to the, to the to COVID nineteen. So this is all kind of stepping in the right direction, and of course it's what the market wanted to see, it's what it has seen. So it's all kind of very much uh, come come into picture at the same time. <clears throat> now just flipping over to the uh, to the uh, capital markets. This is the ten year. This is the treasury curve. So focus, don't worry about this top one, which is a year ago, kind of where we were, where we are now, which is this yellow green, so I'm a little bit colorblind, so whatever it is, but the lighter one, not the red one, here's the red one from a month ago, you've seen that we've slightly drifted up, except that this bottom end, which I don't know if my cursor is showing up, but you know, that doesn't move very much, we don't expect it to move very much, because the short-term rates are very much anchored by the Federal Reserve keeping the Fed funds rate uh, at about 12 basis points, actually zero, but from an effective rate is about 12 basis points. So very difficult for this part of the market to move while it's so firmly anchored, anchored there. Once you get further out on the curve, these are more market driven rates. So uh, the five and 10 year, uh, yes, they have QE going on behind them uh, and, and certainly the, you know, the Fed buying uh, plenty of treasuries right across the curve, but these are much more uh, market, uh, move, market um, driven uh, prices. So what we've seen in the last month is a slow drift up in the ten-year, gone from about uh, as difficult to see, I know, but uh, from about you know 100 basis points to about 115 today. had got as high as 120, um, and then the thirty-year, which is very sensitive to inflation, going up a little bit. But there's plenty of talk right now about you know the thirty-year Treasury being the highest it's been since last March, um, and you know perhaps indication of inflation expectations. And I would not give those a lot of Credence. I mean, if it's the highest since last March, great. I mean, last March was just about the you know the the, the nadir of the of, of the deflationary experience from COVID. So yeah, I'm glad that they're up uh, from a year ago. Um, but this this movement isn't isn't really a big deal. I don't think it's um, you know there's perhaps a little bit more bearish tinge to the long end of the Treasury market. But in the bigger scheme of thing, with a 30 year Treasury drifting up by 15 basis points or so, I'd be like, so what? It's uh, there's there's plenty of room, room there yet. We're not, we're not seeing a, you know, a big bear market in bonds, uh, despite a lot of commentary to the contrary. Uh, this is, um, again, uh, I can't emphasize enough just how important last August's uh, redefinition of the goals by the Fed was, uh, where they said essentially they're looking at unemployment at about 4.1%. That's what they talked about as being the uh, the level of unemployment, which um, below which it starts to trigger some sort of inflation. I don't know whether, you know, inflation has been such a non-existent part of our life now for 20, 30 years um, in, in the sense that it hasn't been rampant or anything, uh, anything uh, out of control. But anyway, they put that unemployment number before. it. But they never actually put a number to it. Now they have an inflation at 2% and you just kind of look back and how many times have those two things happened four times. Um, and right now, we're sort of slight uptick inflation to 1.3%. 1.3% isn't nearly close to what the Fed wants to see on inflation. So, um, you know, and the unemployment number is officially is 6.3. It's actually probably a little bit higher than that, quite a bit higher than that, just because of the, the way the employment statistics work right now. They're having a hard time keep, uh, keeping up with all the COVID um, dislocations. But anyway, these, uh, you know, you can see that until these numbers start to converge with each other, you know, the Fed's probably going to be on hold. Now, uh, there has been quite a lot of talk about inflation recently. It's showing up in some of these precious metal commodity prices. I noticed the cotton was at some recent high today. Um, again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put too much, um, credence in this. I mean, silver is so yeah, it's, it's up 70% since, um, since, you know, the last couple of 2019, years, two years. Right. Um, but you know, it, it spiked up. It's probably too low here. Silver, a lot of ETF buying, and I think these Robin Hood guys focused on silver as well. And if you kind of, you know, silver is is, is supply and demand are hugely in pretty much equilibrium. Uh, it's an industrial stock. You know, I think much more than it is a precious metal stock. But there are people who disagree with that point of view. But uh, but you can see that you know silver's had a, a rocketing up. Um, uh, now it's kind of you know flattened out over the last um, over the last uh, few weeks, but uh, this is what people are thinking of when they're talking about uh, uh, you know inflationary times. I t- so you know, golds had an uptick. These are all indexed from about 100 to about 100 and, uh, 140. But um, but really, the U.S. dollar has has been weak, uh, and, and the weaker it is, the more inflation is likely to come through. But this is pretty small, I think, um, and. Yeah, I mean you, we can look to other commodity prices. Oil too would show would show up here as a, in a percentage increase, just because. Remember last year we touched about twenty dollars. We're up to about fifty six now, but I don't think these are really uh, precursors to inflation. There's a lot of there's I've read recent stuff about this being a commodity bull cycle. I just don't buy it. I just. Uh, um I, I think some of this is you know particular to the, p- these kind of markets that are going on some of the investors are dr- putting their attention towards commodities they're easier to trade now than they used to be but you know, it's difficult to see that uh, you know hard precious metals commodities here or industrial metals like copper and so on are, are going to have uh, you know a big run given given where the state of the uh, economy is i understand that some of these are in short supply and you could get a short-term squeeze on these prices, but you know, as an indication for the next level of uh, higher inflation, uh, I don't think that's likely. And also, I think um, you know, you'd you'd see a big increase in uh, in, in wages. Now, <laughs> I mentioned this in the blog, so forgive me if you've kind of absorbed all this already. But this top line number, this black number, is what the hourly um, average hourly earnings are increasing at on a on a, on a yearly basis. So most people look at that and go, "Wow, they are you know over five percent." Year over year, but as I mentioned, the all that is is because the lower quartile of of wage earners, the average weekly wage is about uh, it's eleven hundred dollars, something like that. But um, in the leisure and entertainment business, it's about four hundred dollars, and those guys dropped out of the labor market uh, big time. You know, obviously they were hardest hit. well there's a part time, I grant you, but uh, but nevertheless, you know, a lot of these lower uh paid jobs just literally you know were told to leave and go home and and not come back and so all that happened was the uh the remaining workers just increased the average but believe me no one's really got a five and a half percent average hourly wage increase over last year it's just the people who earn a lot less dropped out of the pool this is much more likely to be the number this is instead of hourly earnings which can be uh distorted by a number of different things. This is actually the employment costs. These only come out quarterly whereas hourly earnings come out every month. Uh, but I think this is much more indicative of what's really going on. So uh, this 2.6 is what employers are actually seeing. They're actually paying about 2.6% more and benefits around about 2.3%. So unless you've got a big increase in that, uh, then I wouldn't <laughs> worry too much about uh, inflation. You can see that these are even way below uh, what they were in 06, 07, when there was not was much inflation there either. So, um, so yes, we've seen it on the commodities side. Uh, we've actually also seen it in the ten-year uh, treasury inflation protected securities, the tips break-even, so-called, uh, which has risen upwards quite a bit. A lot of people pointing at that towards inflationary fears. I grant that there's some inflationary fears, but I don't think that there's going to be uh, you know uh, long-lasting uh, inflation coming through to the economy, uh, at least not uh, under the current circumstances. The budget deficit obviously getting uh, a little bit more attention sometimes to people to say it doesn't really matter um uh the republicans seem to have you know rediscovered their fiscal rectitude uh, over the last uh, few weeks but obviously this uh it started the budget deficit started to increase big time in 18 and 19 it had nothing to do with the economy the economy is fairly strong at that time it's all to do with the corporate corporate tax rate cuts um and uh you know the various other you know, personal income tax cuts so that was just the expenditure wasn't running high it was just a revenue issue which the uh, which was passed as a 2017 17 tax gain, which absolutely provided no no stimulus to the economy at all it just uh, if it did anything it just brought growth by forward by a couple of quarters is isn't a particularly profound or original thought everyone said that at the time but um but this started to tumble uh, around about the uh, time of the uh, corporate, uh, Trump tax cuts. Then obviously now it's being hit hard time because you know we, we've lost 22 million jobs and we've got uh, you know less tax revenue and more uh, government expenditure, certainly on the benefit side. Now again, I don't think these look scary, but uh, last time I put up a chart which showed the average uh, interest rate on government debt is about as low as it's ever been. Obviously the government can borrow it 10 years for. 1.05 percent it can borrow uh, you know for, for two years I don't know something like 40 basis points something like that and, and 10 years at 1.9 so uh, you know the it, it, in real terms uh, these are all negative rates so you know so it, I don't think it's going to be an issue where uh, the budget deficit and interest payments as a proportion of GDP or interest payments as a of government expenditure are going to you know, increase to any uh, alarming levels, which they lasted about 30 years ago. So I think, you know, any, any talk about budget deficits is, um, is probably overblown. We are seeing uh, slightly better numbers on uh, weekly claims. Uh, Now, I got a bit worried there, because, you know, from about October through till uh, just the last week or so, they'd kind of leveled out with an occasional blip up. This is a log chart. It's, It's difficult to read, but it has to take or, this is about 220,000. As I mentioned before, the largest number it had ever been was in one month in, in 1981 and one month in 2008, where it hit 600,000. So this 6.8 million was just totally off the, you know, off the charts in, in a literal sense. I mean, this, the, 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 y, the y-axis is very skewed on this, on this chart to try and keep it, make it all fit in. So we had a nice progression down uh and then uh, by october we were at 800,000. that was a good improvement then it kind of bumped along the bottom here and then it had you know just second and second and third wave began to hit um and we saw you know probably some um some some higher numbers as a result of uh post um thanksgiving and then post christmas uh holidays new year holidays um employment changes Last week or so, it's been in the right in kind of where you want to see it. Now, these are difficult numbers to come by, and, and they're very affected by how many people sign on the pandemic, uh, the PEUC, pandemic uh, employment. Um, it's, it's essentially a, a supplemental payment to people's uh, unemployment benefits, and they expired at the end of December. Uh, now they've come back on again, and we think some of this uh, increase in claims here is due to that. So, yeah, hopefully we'll start to see, you know, these types of numbers, 700,000. So, uh, a, you know, gradual, gradual improvement. And and once the lockdowns and the closures ease up, they should, they should fall by a lot by, you know, and uh, it's difficult to put an estimate on this. But if I was asked to, <laughs> uh, I think we should be down to two or three hundred thousand, you know, by, by the end of the year. These are the payroll numbers. Last Friday's were a little disappointing. I, I mentioned that uh, in the blog. The unemployment rate came down, but uh, this, a lot of this is uh, due to the fact that you know, more and more people are, are exiting the workforce, which is not a good sign, but we lost 22 million jobs. We made, if you add up all these uh, increases in, in non-farm payroll here, uh, which were, you know, as high as 6 million in one month. But you do, you add all these up and you get to about 12 million. So there's still about, you know, 8 to 9 million. Uh, uh, and then 4 million people just came out of the workforce, just just exited from the workforce. There's another 4 or 5 million which are not accounted for. Don't know where they are. Um, so there's, um, so this unemployment number, um, the real effective employment number is closer to this, 11.7%, um, which is, you know, certainly not, in line with any kind of inflationary scares. And there's still a lot of work to do on the payroll side. Um, but I think these will start to get better in the next uh, month or two. And the Fed was very, sorry, the uh, the bond market was very you know, uh, non-reacting to this. They, the bond market should have rallied a lot with this the negative print uh, for December published in January and, uh, and actually probably rallied given this 49,000 number which was uh, for January print, uh, published last friday Um, but i think the you know the the general feeling is that these will start to increase quite a bit over the next uh, month or two a couple months i'm going to skip over that one it's just the gdp numbers which are pretty scary i'll stuck stick on this one briefly so the last quarter was about four percent um pretty much in line with expectations obviously we had negative four this massive minus 31 and then the 33 now i won't go through the mass again but this decline is not offset by this increase, uh, just because you need a magnitude greater than the decline to just get back to break even. And we're not at break even. Um, the latest numbers from the Atlanta Fed now, guys, this is why this number is sort of over here for today. Whereas we only have a, uh, we've only just got the fourth quarter uh, yeah, 2020 numbers in just um, 10 days ago. But you can see that they're right now, they're estimating about 4.6%. They, they tend to start high and then uh, you can kind of look back here. They tend to sort of, you know, get get it pretty close towards the end of the quarter. So I'd say for now, this kind of, you know, four percent outlook growth for uh, Q1 is 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 in line with expectations. It's sort of very much, um, you know, a good sign here. This is the big one. I've shown it a couple of times here, but it, it, it just look at the uh, uh, lighter line, the non-blue one. The other ones just in trillions of dollars, millions, billions of dollars difficult to hand around it but it's 11.3 billion dollars of savings now that that number is usually about 40 you can see it's steadily increased here as people got scared after the 08 recession back here people didn't really you know hold much cash at all um but now uh now it's about 52 percent of gdp so uh i uh, that's not going to stay up there that's going to be spent and if it comes down to pre-covid levels that's a but that's a, a, an awfully l- large amount of, of savings which can be channeled towards consumption expenditures, which I fully expect them to be do so. In other words, the, the snapback when it comes is going to be um, pretty, pretty, pretty strong. And I, I just re- kind of have to remind myself that this is a, this is a um, recession like no other. It's not been caused by, wasn't caused by increased interest rates. It wasn't caused by banks having a meltdown, and a lot of bad loans. It wasn't caused by, you know, a financial institution having uh, a hard time and having to be bailed out. Um, it wasn't caused by households over leveraging and getting into trouble or other kind of credit problems. Uh, corporate balance sheets, personal balance sheets generally are in very good shape. So with all of those, there's no kind of um, damage to be repaired like there was in 08 and 09 where you know, arguably even today the banks are still <clears throat> suffering an overhang from the excesses from that, from that period. So that's I think you know, it's one indication why this uh, this recovery is going to be pretty swift when it comes. Once people kind of feel that they've got that confidence, they'll start to spend. Uh, big because, because there isn't a lot of you know damaged um, um, uh, c- capacity in, in, in the economy, which is a good, you know, very good sign. I've also mentioned that you know autos have come back pretty much to pre-COVID levels. They're about 16.5 million. Let's show this chart again because it's pretty much the same story. And then new home sales uh you know rocketed very very quickly you know after getting you know getting hit hard in the first couple of months and then people started to buy new home sales it's also the same for existing home sales and also for housing starts it's going to run into a little bit of a problem right now just because there's a capacity probably not as many homes as people as there are people who want to move and uh you know the the ratio here of uh, population uh, to new home sales is still still pretty tight. It's very tight up here, but it's still you know higher than it was uh, in the '90s. So um, we will you know continue to see I think uh, pretty good numbers on housing, but I think you know the incredibly strong numbers that we've seen in the last few months will begin to level off again. We won't see the same level of increases, but it's certainly a part of the economy which has held up very well. And as you'd expect, the demographics are changes, there's probably heard lots of stories about people. Moving to bigger homes, if they're going to work from home more um, and with mortgage rates, uh, you know, around the two level, um, that makes the cost of uh, purchasing a house very cheap and actually in, in real terms negative. So, you you know, you can buy at negative rates, you can borrow at negative rates against an asset, which is increasing at about six or seven percent. So if you can if you can swing it, it makes a lot of sense to buy, you know, go, go and buy a mortgage, which is exactly what people have done. Let's just have a look at the, uh, this one I show, which is um, uh, the, the, the quick version here is that over here, the dividends on the S&P increased a little bit. They're up about a dollar from where they were when we met a month ago. That's quite a lot. You know. For, it is still in a recession. And uh, you know the, the S&P 500 com- companies, the ones that pay a dividend, essentially saying, yeah, we feel that with the cash that we've got and the outlook, we're OK keeping the uh, dividend. Uh, up and in some cases increasing it so that's been you know it, it's still not back to its pre-recession highs uh, but it's getting there and so that's you know, that's a good indication and the uh, and the earnings again they're up by about a dollar um, <clears throat> from uh, from from last quarter again way, way off that pre-COVID highs um, except you know from 145 to 120 and now recovering up you know at least shows that the corporate sector is, is slowly uh, regaining um, its its earnings growth. Um, this is the rolling 1, 3, 5, 10, and 20-year numbers. They're worth kind of looking at. Um, so over the last year, uh, the S&P is up about 18%. This is including dividends uh, rein, reinvested. And over the five years, about 18. Uh, and over the three years, about 17%. These are good numbers. Uh, the 10-year numbers are a little bit uh less than that 13 and the 20 year number still has uh the 09 correction sitting in there um so that's more like seven percent obviously i don't think these types of numbers are going to continue uh at those levels i mean it could i suppose but you'd need an incredibly successful corporate sector to uh essentially show returns which are probably or six times the level of uh, change improvement in the in the um, nominal gdp so um this has obviously been a tremendously good run uh this is probably more like what our long-term expectations are for equities seven and a half might be a, bit, a little bit lower than that and this has got as i said you know two two uh um two big recessions in there uh but it's you know this, this is a good time to have been in equities over these kind of periods one three five and ten and even twenty where you know, there was much talk of a lost decade in uh, in in the o eight o nine period, um, but it, so it's it's been certainly a good run. Um, this is what the everything that happened in twenty twenty. It's exactly the exact same slide I showed last time. But you know, in twenty twenty we talked a lot about the top five. You know, they went up forty three percent for the top five uh, uh, companies in the in calendar twenty twenty. And that meant that the mega caps, the top five, you know, that's uh, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, Facebook. Uh, who am I missing? Um, uh, well, it didn't matter for now. But uh, uh, the, the 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 top five were you know, huge beneficiaries of the of the lockdown, uh, very much tech tech related, and uh, you know, had tremendous growth. And that meant that the mega cap 100 uh, stocks was up, uh, did did very well as well. The rest of the S and P. Uh, was just yeah, not not that great um, this is the large cap s p up about four percent this was in this was in uh, um, in 2020 so it's very much a large cap story Now that has changed a lot this is the last three months and now i've seen small caps since november the 9th, uh, up 32 percent mid cap up about 20 percent emerging markets up 16 and then lagging at the bottom is the s p up 10 percent uh, and the top five up about the same sort of number so yeah, there's been uh, you know quite a quite a uh, quite a reversal here. The small cap story is really about the market and the sorry the economy broadening out. The more stimulus there is, the more things open up, the more that benefits the small cap uh, universe. Um, these aren't necessarily cheap stocks, but they've got they have a lot less defensive position than the large cap and the top five for sure and the mega cap. So they tend to have um, you know. Um, more cyclical types of businesses. There's a fair amount of financials in the small cap index, plus some energy stocks which have done pretty well. Uh, but also, I mean, I look at the industrials and the small and the uh, tech stocks in the small cap area, and they've all they've all shown a, you know, a pretty big change in uh, in earnings expectations, and that's been reflected in the experience for small caps. So. For a long time, you know, small caps didn't do particularly well. They did well in, you know, one year, and then they tended to outperform for the next two years. That's been the pattern pretty much since 2008. But over the last, uh, you know, six to nine months, they've been, you know, very much well worth holding in a portfolio with that kind of return. It's been nice to see. Um, the valuations, sort of getting back to the answer to the question, we can measure by price earnings. Uh, yes, it certainly looks high. You can get you dig deeper, and you can do the case Shiller. Cyclically adjusted price-earnings ratio that looks pretty high. Uh, enterprise value to EBITDA. There's all ton of ways to do this. I mean, there, there's, you know, there's, there's probably a hundred metrics out there which you can adjust in you know, six ways to Sunday if you want. Most of them are going to show fairly large, uh, fairly fairly extended valuations, uh, except for this, which is looks at the earnings yield, which kind of converts the earnings per share into an equivalent bond yield, and then takes uh, re- takes that number. Uh, Less the 10-year treasury, so it kind of takes what the corporate earnings are are earning in it, in it, 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 over and above what a 10-year risk-free rate uh, treasury bond would do, and we're at about 3.3%, which is uh, this is yeah, pretty much in line with this line here, uh, and cheaper than it was back here. So, um, re- really, what this is saying is that you know bonds are have very low yields, in the, and the Fed has been instrumental in making that happen but i think even if they uh tapered or or talked about a rate increase you know you wouldn't see the 10-year rate sort of suddenly go to three four percent it would probably stay you know well under two in other words i don't think the market is dislocated or distorted that much by the fed buying at the at the at the longer end of the curve and so if you get a, a low interest rate environment for bonds uh essentially you know equities look more and more attractive because you know you, don't, you you're, you're getting something on the dividends and you're uh, and you're sort of trading the uncertainty of equities for the certainty of bonds and so this shows that you know really the, uh, the the earnings yield based on this metric is actually quite a reasonable level and that kind of you know just coordinates with common sense here and that um, uh, you know equities are, are maybe expensive but they're not expensive relative to other asset classes now growth and value uh, I increasingly she uh, here, here Around down because of increasing sort of uh, um, jaundiced by the whole growth versus value uh, demarcation. It used to have some meaning. I think it has less meaning today. Essentially you end up in the value index with a lot of banks, a lot of oil and gas stocks uh, and companies, which are, um, you know, essentially just really struggling to get, you know, good returns. I don't think it necessarily represents value in the, uh, in the, in the Warren Buffett sense, where you can kind of buy a stock that everyone else has neglected, you can buy it for great, for, you know, for a for real bargain price and kind of watch it go to the moon. So that kind of value stock, I don't think, think it exists, exists uh, anymore. But we saw the, the, the now this, this confusing me, the downslope means that value is underperforming growth. If you, um, and, uh, but it did quite well in the first couple of weeks of the year uh, where you can see, look at that value index. It just suddenly took off and left kind of growth. There's all this talk for about, oh, all of three weeks about, you know, well, value's coming back. Um, and it's the sort of the unloved part of the market, which is coming back into its own. Well, it just hasn't happened. And I'd have a tough time, you know, thinking it will happen just because of the types of stocks which are in the value index. So those of you that are clients know that we haven't been very big on value stocks per se, and we kind of continue to have that outlook. The other thing I would say is on this is look at this long-term chart. Uh, I mean, growth and value hasn't even been, you know, hasn't even been a contest. Uh, You know, you're talking about, um, you know, hundred bucks going from from 100 to 1500 by $520 here, versus, um, sorry, um, 1,529 versus 803, so growth has outperformed value by exactly twice the amount. Now, value did well back here in the, you know, in this 03, 04, 08 period, which as we know now was just banks leveraging up and going for growth. And uh, the valuation metrics like price to book value looked cheap, but they were sort of driving themselves into the ground. So other than that, uh, you know, value has been a very, here they kind of tracked each other, but they started from a lower base. But anyway, you can see that it's very rare that uh, you know, only in this period, really, have we had any any determined you know, uh, long-term uh, outperformance of value over growth. And ever since then, it's been downhill. And so, yeah, one day that might change, but I don't think so. Under the uh, current growth value type of uh, demarcations, I think what ends up is that growth ends up being the successful companies and value being, ends up being the unsuccessful companies. And that's the kind of way the S&P gets split. I just have talk on some of these uh, so-called meme stocks. So uh, this, um, I mean, th- there were others, but essentially this this was just the one that got all the press, game stocks. So, you know, the background to this story that it, it's a retailer that sells, sells ma- mostly um, cartridges, uh, game cartridges, and it was sort of known in the, I don't know, like 20 years ago, uh, it was in malls and it would pay people minimum wage to sell the stuff. Um, and that was the way people got their, their games. Obviously, that hasn't been the case for years. So um, it kind of kept going along. Um, and then some activists got involved in it at about four bucks a share. Um, and they got some people on the board to sort of start pivoting towards more of a, a you know, cloud distribution services, which you'd think would be a pretty obvious idea for a, for a gaming, seeing, seeing as everyone else is doing it. But anyway, they took their time figuring this out. And then, uh, uh, so the stock kind of rallied up to 10 on that. And then a lot of these short guys say, well, we don't think we're going to make it. So, so they started to short it, short out the stock price, you know, at $20 and so on and so on. And then you can here see the volume here was like barely, you know, 10 million. I and mean, then it just went right off the charts here. It was, I, I think it's 69 million shares. So you've got 50 over, it's not even, it's, it's higher than the uh, axis here. So I think, uh, you're probably seeing, um, hundred percent turnover of the company you know every day and that was all you know happening through you know, not just the robin hood accounts but there are other people you know playing as well they robin hood guys just got a little bit more press than everybody else also you know in the middle of it all robin hood had to start stop um, uh restrict number of trades because they didn't have enough capital i think the sec kind of politely came up to them and said uh, you have to raise some capital here if you want to play with the big boys um, and so they had to raise about three and a half billion dollars as a combination of um, taking out uh, lines of credit and equity injection um, so this inevitably is, this story has reversed itself as everyone expected. this was simply not sustainable at five hundred dollars i don 't even know what the value of the company is i don 't follow it. Uh, I kind of struggle to see that it would be worth more than about twenty bucks on a good day, so some of this might you know still still come down but this is really all this up and down was just uh, a result of um, you know, people buying in a pretty thin market, um, and then the shorts having to cover themselves. I explained it on the blog, but if you're short of stock, eventually you've got to buy it. And, uh, if the stock goes up, goes against you, you've got to buy it really quick to, co- to cover, a, to cover your shorts and deliver the stock back to the guy you lend it to. So, you know, all that was happening in a very short space of time. And this is kind of sad because this is the, uh, Feb- February 21st. So There's got another week to run, but, you know, a few weeks ago, people were paying Uh, Over here, $200 for the privilege of buying uh, GME at a price of $530. um, So, you know, obviously they expected to go from was about $500 briefly for a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks ago, Um, they expected to go to six, seven hundred before they're going to be in the money. So, those options, if you're still holding them, you know, went from about uh, $200 to 17 cents. Um, and that's an example of leverage getting wiped out so uh, uh, you know when you when you put an option you know you can lose everything uh, some of these contracts probably weren't very big um, but nevertheless nevertheless uh, you know the, it has no residual value once the stock price comes way below the uh, strike price and you can see here when these when these flat lines when the stock got closed so it didn't mean that the you know these things traded uh, at any time this is when the um when the stock had put it put these lim- put these uh no, no trade uh rules in force if the stock had you know fallen or dropped by i can't know what the rule is anymore five with percent within half an hour something like that but anyway so you know there these if you were holding at this time watching it go south you couldn't do anything uh all these periods are when uh when things were actually closed so yeah it uh it it's kind of sad to see um but uh there, there are other stocks. Which, uh, which another one was AMC. With there's two AMCs. One is the sort of uh, cable TV content provider, which is a good company. Another one is a the other AMC is uh, American Movie Corporation. I think it's called, and it basically owns um, theaters and cinemas, which are obviously in very, very tough shape. People confuse the two, uh, and were and were you know piling into the wrong AMC. So, you know that's that's happened before too. Um, I don't. I don't view this as anything like a kind of you know end of cycle blowout. I don't view it as you know the retail investors getting involved and getting scorched by the pros. Um, it's uh, you know it's or being as a contrary indicator. I think it's uh, it's a combination of retail investing being so easy to do. You know the uh, you know the apps nowadays are very easy to um, uh, to trade on and can you know mis- misleadingly slow because they can you know really. You know, forget to tell you about margin calls and things like that. Um, uh, but, but anyway, it's, it's easy to do, and I think there's a lot. There's there's much better platforms now, like the Reddit platforms, for people able to swap uh, information and ideas. Um, so, um, I, I would view this as just um, uh, you know, as as something which is going on because it can. Uh, and I think what will happen is that what's already happened near Robin Hood has sort of been uh, Got the call from the, the regulators and told to back off a little bit uh, and and make it a little bit harder to trade in some of these uh, more liquid stocks. But yeah, it's it's sad to see when people you know buy something at two hundred and a few weeks later it's worth twenty cents. Um, but I'd, again, I'd, I think it's more of uh, it's not it's not really an indication of excess. There are pockets of excess in the market. Sure, Bitcoin. Um, uh, you know, the the, the SPACs and uh, some of the IPOs, but I don't think it's 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 cascading over into, you know, into the market being uh, overly blown out and, and you know, having ridiculous success valuations in it. Okay, so uh, just kind of summing up here. Uh, the markets right now are, are, are expecting some sort of fiscal stimulus. They're going to get it. Probably won't be than a 1.9 trillion. Vaccinations increasing and improving. They're going to get that too. It might, you know, there'll be some, Short-term hiccups where it's not as strong as people would want, um, but 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 we'll get it. And they're expecting the Fed to stay on course, which they're going to get that as well. So that all kind of equals very strong growth, I think, from Q2 2021. If we get all those, especially the first two, and the vaccinations working, we'll see this big pent-up demand come roaring back. I think uh, you know, in on the consumer side, particularly in Q2. If the current uh, I'm bad badly phrased here but i'm talking about here the fiscal side of it if it's, it's, it's going to be something less than 1.9 tri, 9 trillion tr9 doesn't look like the minimum wage thing's going to go through um but uh uh if if they do need to uh come back in the summer they will uh i don't think they will but um you know now if there's a consensus remember janet yellen said go big and uh you know she's very well respected uh, in in Treasury and in government generally, and of course she's got the history with the Fed. So uh, as long as that kind of competency is running the Treasury department and and directing the current administration's economic growth plans, I think they will do what needs to be done here. She's a labour economist, don't forget. She is very cognizant that of hyster- hysteresis, which is the like, which is you know when the labour market sort of goes. You know, can't get jobs anymore and stays out of work for so long that they can't unemployable so she's very she's very tuned into that she doesn't want to see uh, you know a large cohort of the of the workforce essentially not the uh, not 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 come uh, running back rushing back to the to full employment so she'll direct a lot of us it said the consumer revival will be very strong the corporate sector is upbeat we've been tracking the earnings the uh, results yeah, there's the, you know, a lot of companies are going to report relatively good results c- compared to what their estimates were. Margins will be quite strong because they'll be able to keep a lot of price gains in there. We've seen that in various different um, uh, surveys where where prices are, are holding firm and a lot of companies have reduced costs. Um, you could think of a lot of companies right now which, uh, you know, service service companies which are not traveling. You know, they might have had huge travel budgets or huge rent budgets and those are almost non-existent on the first one and a lot lower on the second one so that means that you know margins a lot of service industries uh will be will be uh, looking to improve and corporate earnings i haven't changed this from uh, a month ago but i think you know we're going to see a 30 percent rise in in corporate earnings i think i showed that earlier so you know our record is about 140 dollars earnings per share on the s p so we're about 120 now, but I think that's going to increase quite a bit over the, over the course of the year. And um, and we'll also see dividends increase. Okay, I'm going to stop sharing there. Uh, just because I think we might have some questions. Um, let's see if I can get to those. Uh, so Karen, I think you can't see the questions, but uh, let me just see. Actually, I was able to get the questions back. It looks like okay. we have one, if you can see it there. I can, yes. Okay, if you had a six, significant amount of cash right now to invest and in a 10-year time horizon, would you invest it all at once or dollar cost average into the market? Um, I think if I had a 10-year time horizon and you really had the discipline to stick to that, uh, I'd probably be more inclined to, uh, to put it into the market right now. But uh, in reality, a lot of people do that. And if you get a 20% correction, they're going to kick themselves uh, a lot. So um, I'm going to hedge the bets and say it really depends on your on, on your level of confidence and you know how likely you are to you know to change your mind based on the um, uh, you know a potential correction in the market. But I I think without question a ten year investment. Well, no, not without question. But I mean I certainly feel very confident that ten year investment in, into equities will 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 pay off very well. You know maybe in the region of seven or eight percent, which is three times inflation and uh, and about three times earnings level earnings growth uh, and I and I think we'll have a it's very rare that a 10-year uh, return in the in the market go, goes negative and so I would be pretty confident about that. Any other chat? No, I think um, I think we're good um, so thank you very much uh, any questions uh, that you hadn't thought of here feel free to email me our email is pretty easy to find on our on our blog uh, or else call your financial advisor or just call the main number and we'd be happy to to address it. Thanks very much. I'm now going to um, just uh, uh, read the uh, disclosure. So uh, for, for those of you that want to stay, that's fine. Uh, otherwise, we'll look forward to catching up with you next month. Uh, discussion of the investment, investment strategy, research, investment process, Brown Johnski on of the date indicated or as the date of this presentation, subject to change without notice. Chances are through this presentation may be updated periodically. We have no obligation to provide revised assessments in the event of change circumstances. We cannot assure that types of investment mentioned in this presentation produce the intended results or outperform any other investments in the future. We reserve the right to change our investment perspective and outlet without notice, smart conditions dictate additional information becomes available the diversification does not protect an investor from the market risk or from a short profit the information is subject to unintentional errors submission and changes without notice all sources are from faxes like otherwise notice we are gathered while we gather this information from sources we believe we believe to be reliable we cannot guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any statements on numerical data in the presentation references to an individual security should not be considered as a recommendation to buy or sell that security the securities noted this presentation or any several successful but unsuccessful investments where brandon and carsley do not represent all the security of budgets all the recommended index returns included reinvested dividends, interest, but do not reflect conditions of transaction costs. Mutual fund returns include reinvestment dividends, capital gains distribution, mutual funds returns on all of the funds, no funds expenses. However, they do not reflect brand or fees. Please read the process carefully before investing or sending money. Fast forwards, no guarantee of future results. We may reference various hypothetical investment illustrations used for illustration purposes only and, non- and not investment recommendations and do not guarantee indication of future results.